So this bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast. And that's what I wanted to tell you. We should do a podcast. Okay, bye. So here we go. Uh, oh, welcome, perfect. Huh? Welcome to Feature Creep. Colon. Waiting on you. <laughs> <laughs> Built-in microwave, semicolon. <laughs> um, <clears throat> what? Uh, this is the vampire bike and adventures in used clothing. Right. A double feature. Double um, feature. Yeah. Four hours of conversation crammed into six. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Exactly. Um, we, that's exactly right. Four hours. Of, we should make a sticker. We should. I think that should be. Um, that should definitely maybe be one of our podcast slogans. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, vampire bike. What? So, someone I know. Yeah. Um. Was brave enough to attempt to date another human being, and this is not specifically an act of bravery because of covid it's just an act of bravery because people are horrible and anytime you take a chance on meeting a new person you're just setting yourself up for disappointment usually so um at least when it comes to romantic entanglements yeah right i just i think about this and it's like man like i was having a conversation with somebody one day who felt like they were past their due date on like being married and having kids Uh uh-huh and i was like i can't believe anybody likes anybody long enough to even get pregnant right (laughs) like it's kind of amazing that anybody gets married and that anybody has any kind of a long-term relationship yeah or that they raise kids together or raise somebody else's kids or whatever like uh I just find so many of the views people hold harmful and and worth ridicule and judgment, stern <laughs> judgment. Anyway, um, so she took a chance uh-huh. and was dating someone. Uh-huh. And I, I don't think it's divulging too much to like gender the person as a she because I think that there's a dynamic at work here that has to do with gender roles and men's outdated ideas of them so uh this person was dating this guy Uh and went through all of the like necessary precautions to actually see this person in person in the time of covid okay so like there was a uh, there was a lot of effort front end loaded into this potential relationship which may have like it may have made the stakes higher and therefore more disappointing when it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Sh- shocker newsflash didn't right. work out. Uh, it has nothing to do with the person that I know uh, and everything to do with the scum sucking piece of shit asshole that took the time to go through all of the things that you have to go through to get to know somebody in the time of COVID. Yeah. And then just immediately dropped the ball. Oh, like, God basically instantaneously from what i can reconstruct after the fact so um the this person that she was dating 
within the first couple of like dates really uh-huh. or you know within the first couple of weeks of them getting to know each other came over to her house and this was before there was a another lockdown so we were all still allowed to go to each other's houses with you know reasonable yes right uh, precautions which clearly nobody in the state of minnesota undertook because like 12 percent of us have covid now right. um <laughs> fucking ridiculous so (laughs) wear your fucking mask um so this uh this person brought an item Uh uh-huh over to my friend's house when he went to visit her and in a lot of cases i think people do this but they do it in a much more subtle way this was kind of like a cream pie to the face in terms of like levels of subtlety uh-huh. um it, that is to say it was not subtle at all uh, although she was really excited about this person and so i don't i think she like overlooked it right it's like you've built up so much anticipation that right. the first couple of road bumps are like it's like you're fine it's fine it's just a road bump keep going keep going you just right. forget it's, right. it it's like no 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 that was a cliff like yeah i <laughs> <laughs> everything for me is a deal breaker i'm like i'm sorry what did you just say i can't talk to you anymore <laughs> <laughs> did you did you did you just did you just tie your shoelaces in knots? Uh-huh. I'm sorry, we can't continue. <laughs> um it's always something minor. It's something like Seinfeldian or uh-huh. like Larry David right, that's right. just like like a total overblown it, it like the thing becomes magnified to be representative of the whole relationship. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which is like exactly where I go 100% of the time. Like, well, what does this all mean? You know, <laughs> right. it's, it's, we must extrapolate this and apply this to the situation at all as, at large. Right. So this guy comes over to her house to hang out. Uh-huh. Uh, this was prior to the election. Okay. And so everybody was, everybody was like, you know, tensions high, tensions high. Yeah. And... Uh, they thought, hey, let's watch the the debate together. This will okay. be fun. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> this is like the shortcut to figuring out whether somebody is suitable to sleep with or not. Like, uh huh. Let's sit through the debate together. Right. That's not, That's either going to be like you're clinging to a life raft of hope together, or you hate each other instantaneously. Right. So, I think it went okay. But here's that that evening went fine. Yeah. On its face. But on the way over, this guy yeah. says, okay, so my friend lives <clears throat> in a space with other people. So she lives in her own space, but she lives in a building with other people. And the building is a very large building. And so it's not like, it's not like my house, for example, that has a yard where you could like, put a bike or put a bike in my garage right or put right. a bike wherever you want right yeah. it's like it's a high-rise apartment so, yes yeah you know whatever so this guy comes over he doesn't ride a bike over because it's cold out he puts his bike in his car as i understand it uh-huh and brings the bike and then says is this a neighborhood safe enough where i can leave my bike in my car and she's like well if you're that worried about it you should probably just bring it inside my house. Okay. Because I can't say one way or another whether I recommend you leave it outside. Right. And so 
the whole thing is very confusing to me. I may be misquoting details here because, well, technically it's not even really my story, but I'm, I'm using it as an illustrative tool here for something that's down the pike. So yeah. he decides to bring the bike inside the house because he doesn't want his bike getting stolen out of his car. And I mean, at that point, it's like, like, that's just such an absurd thing to do. Put put a bike in a car in a car in a neighborhood that you're afraid the, of. Yeah, but not like justifiably. Like I don't. I've never heard of anyone breaking into a car to steal a bike. I don't know. Like what the fuck? So the bike comes in the house, and then the bike just lives there. Like he doesn't take it when he leaves. He just leaves it in her house. Okay. And she was annoyed by this. Yeah. But didn't necessarily make the connection that i made or the thing that popped out at me right away is this is a vampire bike like the vampire has been let into your house Uh and now this person has access to you and your shit anytime they want because you have something of theirs that they can claim is so important that they will interrupt your day to come access it it's a vampire bike yeah and so the bike which was so important that he couldn't risk getting it stolen out of his car. Yes. Ended up staying at her place for like a month. And he didn't come back to get it. And then the situation, which was pretty nascent at that time, progressed over the course of a month. And Uh it turned out that this person who left the bike was a total low-life, scum-sucking piece of shit Uh who exploits people's, like desire for companionship in the middle of a pandemic and then leaves their shit at your house so anyway we were having this conversation about a month on since the bike the vampire bike moved in Uh and i was like you know that this is a vampire bike right and my friend was like what do you mean and i said well like you know when you let a vampire into your house you're not supposed to let them in because then they can just come and go as they please right and the ticket to him being able to do this with you is that he's got this major thing in your house that like the way that her apartment is structured, it's not like there's any place unobtrusive to put this bike. She's like, I have to walk past it in the hallway. And right. I like every day. It. Yeah. Yeah. Like constantly. So I was like, well, there's a long history, you know, uh, of people doing this and an equally long history of subsequent demands for people to come pick up their vampire shit and even if it's not couched in those terms, you should participate in that long historical tradition and tell him to come pick up his shit because you don't want to fucking see him anymore. Right. And she was like, "That, yeah, I think I should. I was like, "It's that's what this is. Like that he left it there. He planted something in your space so he could have access whenever he wanted. Like that's so fucked up. Yeah. And so she decides to get rid of the vampire bike and has a conversation with him and he agrees to a specific date and time to come pick it up. And I was like, if he doesn't do exactly what you want him to do exactly in the order that you ask it you just put the fucking bike outside because the back end to the long tradition of vampire objects in women's homes is women asking for those things to be removed the vampire object being used as another manipulative tool to avoid the reality of exiting the situation and then what do women do they just put the shit out the fucking window because that's what you do with a vampire so 
Anyway, he came to get the stuff, but I just like reflected on the vampire bike and like yeah. how many vampire objects people have put in my, not people, yes. <laughs> men yeah. have put in my house over the years in an effort to control me and my personal space and my time and my emotions and anything else that they could ex- exercise control over in my life. And so if, if this is me expounding on this to give support to all of the lonely people out there in the middle of a COVID pan- pandemic who uh-huh. may have undertaken similar extraordinary measures yeah. to be in the same space as another human being at the same time. A year is a really long time to be in isolation. We're coming up on it pretty quick here. And so I just, if somebody put a vampire thing in your house, you should just kick that fucking shit out, hang some garlic on it if you want to make the point. I don't know. But like, get it out of your house and don't let your um, desire for companionship, which is totally legitimate and I'm completely validating, um, don't let that push you into a situation where you're letting even shittier, even more vulture-like, even more avaricious people act even worse to secure your friendship and your time and access to you and your stuff. Yeah. I mean, this is, is, is good advice. And I, I, um, don't do it ever. Like even during COVID, like people don't, don't let people put like landmines of like object landmines in your house, vampire objects. It's terrible. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I have, I have, um, I don't know if I'd call them friends. I have known other men who have have sort of talked about this in terms of like dating strategy, but not quite not quite at the level and on the nose. Like to them, it's just sort of like um, one of the ways that you kind of. I'm like, what? Like you wait? You're, so yeah, you? It's like subterfuge. <laughs> like you? So you leave you leave some of your stuff there. It's like yeah, and then they got to call you, and then you you know you reconnect, and and I I'm like. But so you want to be with somebody who you have to trick into wanting to be with you. Right. Yes. Oh, my God. Like you don't know enough about them to even secure their friendship at this point. And so you have to like from moment one, there's already premeditated lying going on. Right. <laughs> like, And and like there's no fucking informed consent involved in any of this. No. Like, I'm going to put this shit in your house. You're never going to see it coming. And then you're going to have to deal with me. I want I want to be with someone who calls me because they want to see me, not because I left some of my shit in their house and they're pissed off about it. Right. Or that I'm like, hey, like I got a bunch of crap at your house. Can I just come inject myself into your life at this unexpected moment? Um, that clearly is like, you know, I like all the more reason I'd rather if I didn't have anything at their house and then I called them and said, hey, what are you doing? Can I come over? And they said yes. Then I'd know the only reason they wanted me to come over is because I, because yeah. it's me. Not because I left my shit at their house. Right. Yes. The whole thing. Like you're deceiving yourself. Like yeah. how, what type of a person thinks to themselves, uh, I have to lie. I want this person to like me, but in order for them to like me, I have to lie. Because why? Because you have such a low opinion of yourself that you think that there's no way that anybody is going to ever give you what you want without you deceiving them that's fucking crazy vampire objects people they exist (laughs) don't let the vampires in your house (laughs) don't do it don't do it just don't do it don't don't accept the objects don't hold on to anything for anybody don't like this is good advice at airports yep yep 
or you oh, know but, oh speaking of tangents i so yeah i had when i lived in oregon um one of the things that you have all the time is an umbrella um it rains a lot and right. uh so I had this umbrella that I bought in college and man, I had that umbrella a long time and I, um, and it wasn't like one of those little small, it, it wasn't a golfing umbrella and it wasn't, it was like a classic cane umbrella, right? Like it wasn't massive, but it didn't like collapse down into a tiny little pocket thing. And it just was like, it, it just held up a really long time. And so I, um, <clears throat> I don't know why this is funny already. <laughs> I, for whatever reason, uh, my ex and I were traveling, I think we were flying somewhere and we were at an airport and I was standing there and we were waiting somewhere. Like I think we'd landed and it was raining and, and we were waiting there and it was a smaller airport. And this guy comes up to me and he's just like, he's like, we're, we're having trouble. Can you, um, can I borrow your umbrella? It's like really dumping out there and we're having trouble with our car or something. And we were like just inside and I like looked out and I was like, I just felt like he was so desperate. I was like, okay. And I, so I give him, Ugh. I give him the umbrella and I was pretty young at this point. So I just, I still had that like, you know, naive sort of idea that desire this to help people, desire to help people. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, which, which is good um, to a point. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so he takes the umbrella and he kind of goes off and Jen was like off doing something with the bags or I forget what she was like going dealing with something and um and we were waiting for someone to come pick us up and then so then at some point it's like it's time for us to go and the guy hasn't come back with the umbrella and i was like fuck so i'm like i really want this umbrella i'm like i'm gonna go get it so i like go out there and i see him and um i it's funny telling the story now because we're i'm so used to like just staying the fuck away from everybody in the time of yeah. COVID that like everything I did just makes me cringe because I'm like, I'm standing there in a crowd with my mask off and I'm, then I'm like going outside to look for some human I don't know. And like, I'm going to like accost him with my accusation of give me my goddamn umbrella back. And, uh, yeah. and so like I go out there and it's actually not raining that much. And I see the guy like way down at the end of the road, like on the run, like on the, um, you know, the pickup lane or something like next to a car, just holding, Holding the umbrella f totally folded like in his hand like not using it like chit chatting with some guy and I like come up to him and I'm like hey like I gotta go I told you I only had a few minutes and he's like oh oh sorry man like uh yeah here like it's just anyway what a dick yeah I'm like fuck you like I like you came up to me like this is life and death and then you had no respect for my own time when I told you I was like I'm only going to be here for a few minutes. If that's how long it takes, that's great. But I really want this back. Anyway, um, yeah, just it's that kind of thing that I and and like when I show up, it wasn't like there was no disaster. He was just yeah, hanging out, and it wasn't raining enough for him to even bother to put it up. Where's the fucking urgency? Yeah. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so. And it's not like it was this like amazing umbrella that it's like, I want that guy's umbrella. Let me see if I can con him out of it. Um, anyway, <laughs> right. I'm just like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, that guy was probably like, I'm about to go like visit some woman and I need some shit to drop in her house to see oh, right. re-entry. <laughs> right. That guy's got a thing. Let me get that. Um, well, the thing that I found, I forgot to reveal this detail, but yes, when she told him, to, you know, can you come get your bike? Yeah. He was like, yeah, but I got to be home by seven. And she's like, I'm not asking you to hang out. I'm asking you to come pick up your shit. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> like, wow, this guy is such a tool. Seriously. 
so unimpressive. Oh yeah, so unimpressive. Huh. Um, <clears throat> that's pretty funny. Well, yeah, uh, yeah I another yeah a, another thing that's like unimpressive is some of my adventures in yes clothing yes so i i'm definitely um i have a fair few stories shopping for clothing okay great i mean we don't have to switch off of the topic of the vampire bite no i mean it's until it'll come back around don't worry okay so uh yeah so i i have been so clothing pollution is like this huge problem yeah on both ends right the entire um, supply chain of well, clothing manufacturing and fashion is really fucking terrible. <laughs> and now that we make so much of it out of plastic, it's like, oh god. Yes. Well, we're gonna get to that. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I don't wear synthetic fabrics. That is to say, I wear rayon, which is technically a synthetic fabric, but it's made out of cellulose and wood pulp, and so right. it's a natural fiber that has been processed industrially and turned into something else this um is not great for the environment right uh it's i can find cotton clothing frequently yeah but like good cotton clothing that's made well is usually very very expensive right um and so the because i don't have enough money to simply shop organic cotton clothing um the next best thing in terms of my physical comfort is for me to wear rayon or tensile or modal or one of those fabrics they're all made from the same stuff right um and it's very like soft and it layers easily and yada 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 i have my reasons so um this is all in fuck you i have my reasons fuck you i have my reasons so rayon and cotton are what i wear and everything else i basically eschew um i especially dislike polyester in all its forms yeah it's pretty so pretty gnarly it's terrible. It's ter- the the process to make it is super polluting. It's industrial plastic that's filamented into these tiny threads as it's extruded at high heat and and it like turns into this like weird almost like cotton candy shit and they weave it into clothing and then you have a shirt that's made out of recycled plastic bags. That's what that is. Mm-hmm. If they bother to even recycle the plastic which you usually nobody does because it's too hard and energy intensive and it costs way more money than just making new plastic and so that's what everybody does so this is true with clothing too recycling clothing is difficult um if it's uh made out of materials like polyester you can melt that back down into plastic but making it into something else is really difficult because the properties have changed into something into an into a thing that doesn't actually make objects well after that so when you get you know this is the whole problem with recycling right now is that it's a giant this whole idea that like oh it's fine if we make bottles out of plastic because just keep buying them because we can recycle them and the people who were telling you that were lying about the ability to recycle them and yeah in the meantime everybody got into like this super unbreakable habit of drinking out of single-use plastic all of the time right and, the, and we're we've all been trying to recycle the plastic and actually it's just been getting sold to other countries as trash uh, and then people pick through it. It's like really disappointing. Um, so, and, and not a solution in any way, shape, or form at any stage in that process. So, there's all this fashion, and fashion used to be made on a schedule that was like four times a year. So, it followed the seasons generally. And like, this is all kind of trickle down from high fashion where the people who are actually um, really skilled artists who make really high end clothing. 
they do that and the clothing is really expensive because it's a work of art that somebody made and it's right. not necessarily meant to be worn even necessarily and we can get into a whole side conversation about like the utility of clothing that you don't wear um and the purposefulness of artistic expression through textile but we're not going to do that here so the whole point i'm trying to make is that it used to be the case that there was a very thoughtful process involved in making clothing that involved craft and it took some time and there wasn't an overabundance of it because there was so much work put into individual pieces of clothing and that sort of like process got changed over time and everybody wants to have beautiful, amazing clothing. And if we just industrialize the process, more people could have more clothes for much more cheaply because we've got an economy of scale. And also if we don't make them out of taffeta and silk and things like that and make them out of polyester, then they're really inexpensive. Right. Um, and so there's a lot of like org companies and stuff who they work for money, they work for profit. And so they're tr constantly trying to figure out where in the supply chain they can cut down on expense so that their profit margin grows. And if they have shareholders, their shareholders get more money and everybody stays happy and the company keeps running and capitalism keeps whatever, doing its thing. Right. So um, if, if, an, if a company can't find really cheap ways of doing things close by, they'll export the cheap ways of doing things to people who in general are facing some sort of coercive process when they say yes to it. Like right now, the cheapest place on the entire planet to have clothing made is in Bangladesh. And there are a lot of socioeconomic and political reasons that make the situation worse and make it a sort of situation where people in Bangladesh can't really afford to say no because there's not a whole lot of other options. Right. And so these companies that make all of these clothes know this and they exploit that weakness or that position that the, the folks are in in Bangladesh and they right. essentially price fix in the wrong direction. They say, we're going to tell you how much we're going to pay for you to do this work for us. And you're not going to say no because it's the only work that anyone's offering you anywhere. And so you can either like basically starve to death or you can do what we say. Right. And so people do it. And that's where a lot of your clothes come from. Like everybody, that's yeah. where lots and lots of clothes come from. The problem is exacerbated by the fact that a lot of major industrial clothing companies don't give a fuck about the art involved in making clothes. They're not interested in that. What they are is capitalists and they see a way that they can make money that just happens to be making clothing. Same way with any industry that can be um, exploited for large gain is that the people who do the 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 work are hired labor the people who reap the benefits are people who are concerned only with money and not necessarily with the product that they're creating or the working conditions for the people who actually do the work and this is especially true in fashion so right now um bangladesh is making tons of clothes for a couple of companies who operate on a scale called fast fashion which is instead of putting out four seasons of clothing and like several pieces that fit together <clears throat> like, you know, a couple of jackets, a couple of pairs of pants, several dresses, yeah. skirts and shirts or whatever. That's like really basic, right? Right. Um, instead of doing that once a season, these clothing companies are cranking out all kinds of clothing that are not seasonally specific and they're doing it like once a week. And so their seasons are rotating uh, instead of four a year, they're rotating 52 production cycles a year wow. because they're putting out clothes about every week. Uh -huh. Um and so the only way to produce that many clothes mm -hmm. so that there's an entire stock turnover every week in these stores like Forever 21, H&M, right, Zara, right. um, the only way that they can actually 
do that is to use the absolute cheapest labor with the absolute cheapest materials and work people as hard as possible. Um, right. What ends the whole up time because you have to keep up yeah, with 52 weeks. Because you're, you're, you're approaching the ceiling of what's possible on a human scale. Right. <clears throat> and all of these clothes, because they're made out of super cheap materials, are polluting on the front end because the industrial yep. process is required to make the... F- the fibers that go into the clothing is like hyper polluting. Right. Um, there's labor violations the whole way down for everybody making the clothing. Um, some life threatening, like these factories, the the factory owners have to make a profit too. And so they're doing the same thing where they're like, what can I cut out of this process or do more cheaply so that I keep more of the money? And so buildings go un, un uh, maintained. There's fires. There's like, you know, it's we're back to like it's, the fucking triangle shirt waste factory fire right. in like America when we were first industrializing here. It's, it's like gross human rights abuses. It's terrible. So then all that fashion like gets shipped over. People wear it once or twice because it's really cheap clothing. It's uncomfortable. You get your one use out of it and then you throw it away much like a single use plastic cup. Right. Right. It's meant to be worn and then it, it often falls apart. Because it's not well constructed, because it's impossible to construct things well when they're made out of plastic bags. Right, but it doesn't matter because you only wear it for a week because that's keeping up. Right. With, I mean, anyway. It doesn't have to last well. Then you just throw it away. Or right. you do like you donate it to Goodwill, which uh, when we get into uh, like the ethics of Goodwill and other donation sites, like that's a whole other podcast because like people tend to just dump what they don't want on other people thinking that that's helping somehow. And that whole idea is flawed. So right. uh, we'll talk about that in another podcast maybe. But um, back to the fast fashion thing. So all these people have these clothes that are falling apart, but it doesn't matter because they only anticipated wearing them once and that was why they only were willing to pay $10 for them. Like it's a self-generating cycle. It's self-supporting. It's mm-hmm. a vicious cycle. I don't want to pay money, good money for clothes that I know are going to fall apart and everything that I can buy at an affordable price is so like specific temporarily to whatever pop culture is going on at the time that it's going to be out of date and out of fashion within a couple of weeks certainly within the season or it's not going to be made of materials that i can wear in seasons that are not winter or whatever or or not summer and so um these clothes get dumped on other countries on um poor people in america who shop at goodwill and other like thrift stores um so there's this influx of trickle-down subpar clothing that Mm -hmm. also is distributed in a way that doesn't create any kind of like viable jobs or return to the community of investment of any kind. And then eventually all of that stuff ends up in a landfill and it doesn't biodegrade because it's plastic. Right. Right. And so here's this, like the part when I was learning about this the other day, here's the part that shocked me because I hadn't realized how big the problem had become. Mm-hmm. The only thing that pollutes the planet more than the fashion industry is the fossil fuel industry. Really? Yes. That's, I I mean, I, I knew, like, I, I grossly knew about these issues um, with clothing in particular, but I just didn't realize, like, how how massive it was at that so bad like it's such a juggernaut at this point that like stopping it or backing it up or stemming the flow is going to be almost impossible mm-hmm. like i don't know i don't even know this is a wicked problem 
This is a wicked problem. <laughs> there's so much money tied up in it. Uh-huh. And like there's all kinds of oh god, like the there's lots of companies who will pay for so they sell high-end clothing to yeah. rich white people, but the people who produce the clothing are usually black or brown people in yeah. a country that um, Americans would classify as third world. Um and um the the conditions that they work in are hazardous to their health um and i don't the whole thing just sucks the whole thing just sucks like yeah like it's now the entire planet is wrapped up in this problem because of globalization and so there's always going to be people who need clothes and there's always going to be people who are desperate enough to take whatever people are willing to offer them and so I don't know. It just seems intractable, but I think this is I, part I, of why I try to limit. Yeah, I mean, I think that I um, this is kind of the issue. Uh, like, we're you know, there's like two problems, right? Like, there's the there's the long term issue of scale of just, um, you know, even if humans sort of, even if every single human being like reduced their life to the most efficient use of resources, um, our very existence in nature means that we. Um, like we consume resources on some level. Um, mm-hmm. and so there is that long-term issue of like, you know, how many, how many people can you, can you fit on this, on this bubble of a planet? Right. Yeah. And reasonably, reasonably expect to survive. Um, you know, that's an issue. And then there's just the issue of like, like things like the fashion industry where it's like, yeah, but then you're just running rampant through those resources and creating Mm -hmm. this problem on top of it. Like it's, it's nuts. Yeah. It's Um, like super self-destructive. Yeah. I mean, at some point the fashion industry, if it keeps going in that direction, it seems like it's going to eclipse fossil fuel because as we, as we continue to be more and more aware of the fossil fuel problems and start to try to create mitigating factors and things that can kind of bring that down into, you know, some reasonable, sustainable, I mean, you know, that's a long time, you know, anyway, yeah. a pipe dream. But, um, but if we were to do that, I mean, if for instance, like, you know, electric cars kind of took off and, and our ability to produce the electricity to charge them was also not based on fossil fuels and all of these right. other things. Like all of those things, then at that point, you're left with the, you know, um, the fashion industry. But the fashion industry is tied to fossil fuels anyway, because most of the plastics that go into it are fossil our fuel. Petroleum based, products, our petroleum products. Yes. Um, so I don't know. It's an interesting. Maybe they'll take each other out. Maybe they'll take each other out. Maybe. Well, you know what I mean? Like maybe yes. when we get to a tipping point with renewables and yep. people realize like, oh, uh, we can continue to make money as long as we're not dead. Right. Duh. Right. Like, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Like you're only ugh, the timeline is so short for making money with fossil fuels. So but that's mm-hmm. why they all that's why they all act like a, like this whole thing is a three ring circus death cult. Like right. because they know like all of their behavior yeah. leads in one direction to everybody dying horrible deaths. And yeah. they're like, well, it's it, they see it as inevitable. And so they're just trying to extract as much value as they can as quickly as possible while there's still time left. I've often wondered if this is kind of one of those issues where it's like um you're kind of locked into this combat, right? Because it's like the only way this is going to resolve is if we all agree to put down our arms at the same time. Yeah. And everyone else is like, well, 
you go first and then I'm just going to shoot you. Um, and it, it, because it's like to make radical changes in an industry that's like the margins are getting tighter and tighter and the, the sort of behemoth of money and, and mass and, and direction mm-hmm. is like out of the control of any one person. Um, although fuck that because we have things like, you know, people like Jeff Bezos where it's like, they just dominate like Walmart had this, um, you know, Walmart used to get shit for like the way that they they treated manufacturers yes, because they like were like Rubbermaid famously. Yeah. And then it but then it's like it's like, you know, Amazon's like, hold my beer. Yeah. Um you Even know, you Walmart think that's has bad. like done, I think did some things to sort of like fix themselves a little bit. Not great. Yeah. Not because they no. wanted to, but just because they realized if they didn't, they were shooting themselves in the foot. Right, right. And that's kind of um anyway, I, I, I'm not an expert in this, so I can't speak to the, the details of it, but I think the general idea I'm trying to get across is that um that there's you know, you have at some point you are so in control of the market that you do have the ability to make these changes. Right. Um and you know, I don't know. It's just kind of it i think that's been like the biggest disappointment in in our kind of in our generation of watching these companies come up and where like like google was like do no evil was like their slogan yeah, for like this brief evil was it was so thing. short mm-hmm. it was like they were like do no evil and it was literally like in a blink of an eye they're like oh we never said that yeah as they just yeah. charged off the cliff of like you know exploiting and like taking everybody's personal information and selling it for the highest bidder and mm-hmm. like it was just like what yeah that's it's terrifying too because if you look far enough down the line the the companies the the global companies that are in charge of shit right now specifically tech companies because yeah. of how much money they draw have more money than governments and so they carry yeah. They carry a lot more, um, ironically, they carry a lot more responsibility, and yet the way that they are structured inherently means that they are only responsible <clears throat> to themselves and making themselves bigger. And so that's a problem. Uh, and it's uh, it's shocking to me and terrifying to me that private corporations are stepping in to fill the gap where governments are falling apart. Yeah. Um, like supply chains, for example, with yep. like personal protective equipment. Yep. So like the beneficence of corporations is now seen as it's the and the fucked up thing is this is exactly the like the vampire bike strategy, right? Yep. So yes, it's like, hey, so you need some personal protection? No problem. Like, let's we'll, that's we'll all right. Bring, that's we'll bring all right. It over. We're we here to help. In, yeah. And then they dump it on your doorstep. And then uh, now next time you know in a month or a year when you you know don't want to talk to them anymore they're like hey so you know we left all that stuff on your doorstep we're gonna have to come get it you don't mind right Right. like now is a good time for us is that okay with you yeah Um, like think about how many things your fucking google account is tied to like your ability to move through the world it it works on all levels like that analogy because it's also the thing of like you know they've moved into our lives where it's like your cell phone's not your cell phone you pay for this device that they use mm-hmm. to spy on you, that they yep. own the, like, like the end user license agreements that nobody reads anymore because they're 15 billion pages because they have to cover all their asses because of all the illegal shit they're doing. Like, yeah. they're, I mean, it's not illegal because you agreed to it, but you don't have a choice because right. they're holding a gun to your head because if you don't agree to this, you can't have a job because how are you going to call anybody? 
Right. And the same fucking and, and like you're like, well, then just yeah. get a landline. Have you do you have a landline? How do you get a landline? Have you tried to get a landline? You have to sign the same fucking agreements. Yeah. If you go with like, you know, AT&T or like some other fucking, you know, like, for instance, you probably can't even get a real physical landline anymore. Most people you have to go through like those companies don't exist like like the infrastructure is gone right yeah like voice over ip which means you have to sign up for internet access anyway in some way even if it's just a landline it goes over the internet access and your license agreement probably no longer has that common carrier agreement arrangement that you had with the Mm -hmm. old landlines it's probably i mean i'm speculating at this point but it's probably the same fucking non-neutrality shit that everybody's like oh it's fine now now they can just sell everything about us right and you're like okay well i want to have a phone and that's fine if you happen to live somewhere where you can manage to get a job or a a way to contribute to your local social group that allows you to sustain your life and that's one of the reasons i'm not so critical of people living at home on their parents couches Mm, yeah from my point point of view it's like well you found a job or a way to sustain yourself in your society Mm -hmm. and fuck you every other generation who was like you know go get a job fuck you guys like you don't even know what a job looks like anymore right get a job yeah like recently so i'm 41 and recently not like terribly recently but like not that long ago yeah one of my parents was like uh what you need to hurry up and find a job that's gonna give you a pension oh god it's like what is this 1850 what the fuck are you talking about (laughs) pension no it's so it's so out of touch with the way that the world works now and the way the where it's going it's like even the shit that we're worried about isn't the shit that like people 10 young 10 years younger than us are worried about yeah it's it's super fast it's It's, yeah yeah huge sets of different but interlocking concerns yes absolutely i mean they are interlocking and i think that um it yeah but yeah it's like the absolutely what you're saying is absolutely true when my parents grew up the world that they grew up in was basically the same kind of world that my grandparents grew up in but with like slightly more access to television and cars right you know what i mean but like everything else was basically the same and like change was so incremental and so stretched out over so long until the internet and now it's like fuck i don't even know I'm not even sure what like dialect people t- 20 years younger than me speak. Right. Because like whatever it is, is heavily informed by a digital communication structure. And yeah, you know, that's why I like pay attention to shit on the internet. So I'm not completely out of touch. Yeah. Yeah. I try to, I try to like, you know, look at things that, you know, try to have some curiosity about it. Um, yeah. I mean, I I am not cranky about change. Like, I'm not even cranky. No. Like, there's all these new buildings being built in Minneapolis, and they're tearing down old neighborhoods and stuff like that. People are like, and I'm like, yeah, I I disapprove because of gentrification. Yeah, that's there's other issues. But I don't necessarily disapprove just because I'm like, but it doesn't look the way it looked when I moved here. Yeah, I don't. I I feel like um, I think that you can have you can have some uh. Or personally, I can have some empathy for the the loss of an old thing that was pretty cool. Um, but I don't, I don't necessarily think that's like such an awful thing. I mean, I think that, uh, I think that we need to be rebuilding ourselves. That's like part of like staying alive. It's like why would yeah. you 
stay stagnant and keep using a thing that doesn't work. I mean, especially especially when you live in a part of the country where it's like it's so the extremes of the environment mean that like having more modern buildings that are able to um, better insulate and better regulate that environment and make it nicer for people to live there and raise the overall yeah. you know health and happiness of people is a good yeah. thing I, yes you know now i will i'm pretty sure like most of these most of these projects are like rife with other bullshit problems with greed and other things but that's mm-hmm. a separate issue i'm just saying on the face of it um that is is a good thing i mean i when i lived in england i was like this is this is insane like people would live in these houses that were like you know older than the u.s right like as a country yeah. and yeah yes. and they're just like you know and i'm like you live in a country and they're like heating them with like you know these old fireplaces and things and i'm and and, yeah. and it's all romantic and cool but i also like I, i'm like yeah but you know we can do better and and yeah, they do. Well, I mean, I don't want to be like overly critical. Like it's just it's just kind of like I'm like, yeah, but also like holding on to the past when you could have something that makes your life so much better. Mm-hmm. Is twenty five yeah. years ago, the people that I visited and stayed with in England still yeah. like burnt coal in a thing in their fireplace. Yep. Like the guy would come by with this big bag of coal and you would dump it off in their coal shed and then they would take shovels of it inside their house and put it in their fireplace. And I was yep. like, what is going on here? Yes. Didn't you guys have like an empire? <laughs> right. What happened? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, there's so much money to be made in doing shitty unethical things. Yep. Like there's just if money is your highest good, then you're probably going to end up being unethical. Yeah. And I, I think um, it's I, I think the problem with money is that it's not that simple because it what it represents is the thing that people are being unethical for right like Mm -hmm. you know it's not the problem isn't having an abstraction for wealth the problem is having wealth um yes or having a system having a system of wealth is and the problem with that is it's like it's not even you know that's the nature of of being alive is resource management Mm -hmm. and so then the real issue is it's just like how do you how do you self-regulate resource management in a way that is Somebody's got to say no to somebody. Yeah. Somebody has to say no. It has to be somebody's job to say no. Right. And like what, uh, back to the thing about corporations and governments interchangeably having scales of power, like a government's job is to take care of people. A corporation's job is not to take care of people. Right. That's the and thing. So that I... eventually, if we come to rely on corporations to fill in these like stopgap measures for governments that yeah. refuse to function, the government is going to be unable to take care of all of the people. And we're going to turn around to corporations and be like, well, I'm putting my hand out because you've been helping us where these other people have failed. And the corporation is going to be like, it's not our job to help people. Yeah. I and That will happen at some point. I think that my biggest sort of my biggest complaint about or the greatest tragedy tragedy of the um the republican party has been their messaging of vilifying government and um promoting privatization because of all the things it's like you can argue fiscal all kinds of shit all day long and you know maybe you're right maybe you're wrong it doesn't matter but in the end if you privatize something, then you remove the one thing that gives the government power, which is the people. Yep. And now you've created an entity that is only beholden to itself. Right. 
and that's bogus. That's bullshit. That's not. Yep. It's not that's where. Not that's not. It's no. It's not in anybody's interest, especially not the people's interest. The people's interest should be. It, it's just a systematic dismantling of the power of the people. Right. If you have a government that's representative of you, you can complain about it all day long. And it is other people and individuals scrambling for some measly amount of power in that situation. But it's still ultimately, in theory, accountable to the people. And, you know, if you take that away, then there's no point. It's a it's a corporation. Yeah. You know, Google's a great company to work for as long as you're doing what they want. Right. They're yes, happy that's to the thing, right? Put tons uh, of money in your pocket as, as long as you as long, do what the as fuck long they want. As we're doing, as long yeah. as what we're doing is coincidentally in line with the motives and ambitions of corporate entities, then they will tolerate us. Right. But when you become an impediment to their money their profits and their bottom line and right. eventually like what that is is it is an existential threat to that entity yeah and so that entity will respond by crushing you right i mean it like you can you can observe this for yourself if you have so if you have a cell phone um and you wish to say for instance like if you try to interact with the google the google ecosystem if you wish to not have them sell your information and you don't want to use some of their most insidious products, mm-hmm. then they just take away the products that you want to use. Yep. Like well, they're like, sorry. that's fine. You can't use this because we need this feature. We need this feature to be able to listen to everything you say so that yeah. you can have this other feature. And there's no, you know, in between. Um, mm-hmm. And that's exactly because they're like, well, then it doesn't pay for itself. So we don't, you can't use this. If we right. can't exploit the fuck out of you and sell you products, then. What what are we doing? Which it's like when you think about it, it's like that makes sense because they're trying to make a profit, do their thing. But completely again, completely understand. But this is a poor proxy for the ethics of care, where like yes. people actually need to give a shit about other people surviving. Right, exactly. Which is why we need government. Oh, and uh, the reason that I was uh, the reason why I decided to title this "The Vampire Bike and Adventures yes. in Used Clothing" is that to s- partially circumvent this entire horrifying structure yes. that we've been talking about. I shop for used clothing, and I can buy way more expensive clothing that I would have would have been economically out of reach for me. I can buy that like really well constructed, nice stuff yeah. from like individual people who are selling it off, who have taken care of it. And right. um, I tried to do this the other day with a pair of shoes that I have held onto for two years. Um, because I was like, oh, I'm going to resell these. I got them brand new and then they were just a size too big essentially. And so I couldn't, no matter what I did to the shoes, they weren't going to fit me. Yeah. Um, Because a lot of times when I get clothing, if it's not quite right, I'll have it tailored or I'll mend it myself. Right. Um, So I was like, what am I going to do with these shoes? And so I've been hauling them with me across the country for like two years. Uh-huh. And I was finally like, I'm going to, you know what? I'm just going to donate these shoes because it's taking me a really long time to get shit to the point where I can have a space in my house to have like, oh, these things are for sale in case somebody decides to buy them or whatever. Right. And so I donated just shoes the other day and then completely forgot that I had done that. Yeah. And listed the same shoes for sale. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and was highly successful at selling them within minutes of listing them. Oh, no. And then 20 minutes after that, had to tell the person like, oh, actually, I'm sorry. You can't have these shoes because they don't exist. Oh. oh, oh. Because past Meg finally got off the pot uh-huh. because she wasn't going to shit in it. And she took those shoes to the fucking store so that somebody could actually enjoy them and love them and have a pair of shoes. And uh. 
in the process fucked over somebody. So I did the anti-capitalist thing, it turns out. No, I will not take your money for shoes <laughs> right. that don't exist. <laughs> right. But uh, right. that was an accident. But anyway, like I, I now I feel like, oh, I there's probably some clothes that I do have that I could sell yeah. um, to somebody who would want them. And they're really nice. They're like, I have some silk dresses that it's same situation. I don't know when I'm going to get them tailored. Right. Because COVID, maybe I should just give them to somebody i don't know i'll probably hang on to them because i illustrated that i can't keep my shit straight past meg should have like left a note for future meg don't Uh try and sell these shoes because i already got rid of them for you right (laughs) dumb but yeah so that happens my it's turned into kind of like a hobby of mine shopping for used clothing because the the supply is totally up to whoever has clothes to sell right right um, so you can't think like, oh, I'm just going to go get a, a something. It's sort of like a long process. So if you like long projects that take a lot of fussing, yeah, this is a good project is buying used clothing. You have to figure out, you know, what your sizing is and like, mm-hmm. yeah, which I sizes used, you wear and what brands. And I used to shop a lot um, at thrift stores, uh, especially when I was a student and I lived in in Oregon. Um, Mm -hmm. They had really good thrift stores. They have decent thrift stores here that I shop in occasionally, although right now not at all. So like most of my clothes are either getting really, really old or um, anyway. But shopping in, I I always loved shopping in thrift stores because I also enjoyed um, every once in a while I would find like random things in pockets of clothing that I purchased Mm -hmm. because it'd be like, you know, like a little, like a little note or um, like one time I found a $20 bill, which you can imagine as like a, as a student, you're Woo! just like, oh my God, my week is saved. Yes. Um, my whole week. Yes. Yeah. But I always enjoyed that. And I, the, the clothing in Oregon was always good in the thrift stores. Although maybe that was just that generation, like the, just the quality of clothing has gotten worse and the stuff that goes through thrift stores is more, um, like you said, it's more plastic, it's more manufactured, it's less mm-hmm. of the nicer things. Um, there's also more of a trend towards, um, people recognize that and so i think that there are people who like we have some good stores here that sell higher quality used clothing but the price is higher um right it's like you don't have to necessarily like it's they're not wrong right like they there's people who go through and like find good clothes and then put it you know make sure they're well cared for and put them on display and and sell them again and they are they're really nice i mean having even just something as simple as like a dress shirt or like a pair of pants that are just like slightly better tailored or just better better kept makes a huge Mm -hmm. difference they last so much longer yeah anyway totally Um, yeah so uh well do you have a tip for living well in hell since we're uh we're Uh, buy used clothing like seriously it's yeah you're solving you're you're either solving or or um what's like a word for not contributing to like decontributing (laughs) that's not a word but it is now you're You're opting out you're opting out opting out of a really shitty system that is basically a downward spiral the whole way in terms of humanity and environment and like it's just fucking terrible yeah um so yeah buy used anything like fix your shit instead of throwing it away spend more money if you can on things that you won't have to throw away like my god it's it if if the people who are supposed to be in charge and looking out for all of us like governments are refusing to 
make any kind of regulations against business because business is this untouchable holy fucking cow in this country. Oh my God, business. Don't do anything that's going to upset business. Business, business, business. If they're not willing to say no to business in order to keep all of the rest of us safe, then unfortunately it's going to come down to an actual act of survival in the choices that we make over and over and over again. Like, no, I'm not going to contribute to your stupid fucking death cult factory clothing scheme. Like, I'm not going to contribute to like corporate pollution i'm not going to contribute you know whatever right right whatever the case is like just say no and mean it (laughs) yeah you know and it's hard so keep practicing it is hard you're not going to succeed all of the time this is an ongoing process it's not like a well i switched out all of my plastic for glass i'm done or like well i i made choices and they were good and so i don't have to think about the problem anymore this is like an ongoing existential struggle yes it's a wicked problem it's a wicked problem, but it's not insurmountable. And, you know, like maybe like we were saying, if the fossil fuel industry tanks, all the shit that makes cheap clothing is going to tank too. And they're going to have to find something else. Make it out of hemp. My God. Right. Instead of polyester, grow hemp. Yeah. I wish I could be a hemp farmer. Well, I mean. I also wish I could run an organic recycling facility. Yeah. There's a. Uh... I as I get older I start to like when I was a kid I was just like every time I thought of something like that it's like that's what I'm going to do and now as I get older I'm like okay I got to be practical here like I will just appreciate that people do those things um yeah anyway yeah uh well um our executive assistant has been uh pointing out to me that if we want people to get a hold of us then we should at least tell them how to get a hold of us so um Let's we'll just quickly plug our website fcbm.io. If you go to fcbm.io, you can see all our podcasts there, and you can get the feed directly if you want. You can also contact us, but um, the easiest way is actually to email Dana, and that's d a n a at fcbm.io. She's our executive assistant, and she'll forward on your questions and comments, thoughts, ideas, whatever you want to do. If you just want to just tell us like how fucking awful everything is about our podcast. That's fine. She'll take care of it. And mm-hmm. she'll tell you what we think. We won't even yeah. have to read it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, We're just no. in a cone of silence that we've made for ourselves. Right. Yeah. Our own little personal echo chamber. Um, no, <laughs> seriously. Like, you know, thoughts, ideas, things you want to hear on the podcast. If you're a regular listener, we'd love to hear from you. If you're an irregular listener, we'd also love to hear yeah. from you. Um, we love you know. irregular people. Yes. Yeah. We're, we're two very irregular irregulars. So. I mean, we're regular in reference to each other because we yes. are the exact same. The exact same human but, being. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. Any minor details that are different are just irrelevant. Um, that's just wear and tear. It's just wear and tear. Yeah. That's just the nature of being alive on this planet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks.